some days. Some weekends it's nothing but chainsaws and beers. <laughs> True. <laughs> I have another one. Actually, we're doing the married couple test on Saturday. What in the world uh, is that? That is going to Ikea together. <laughs> we're going to redo the kitchen and junk like that. So It's funny. My wife, there's no way Ikea could get me to go to Ikea. <laughs> Actually, the Swedish meatballs are not that bad, so it's worth it just to check those out. But in terms of like the entire uh, uh, shopping together experience, we'll see how we do. Um, I don't know. I, I just know I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the stuff I've gotten from there. <laughs> the only thing I bought from there was a mortar and pestle, which I've used like twice in the three years that I've had it. But it is pretty cool. It's like a heavy... Uh, granite, whatever it is, mortar and pestle set, and then oh, the actually the pot, the pasta pot that I got is really nice. It's one of those like click-on lids with the holes in it, so yeah. you can just strain it in the pot. It's like that's convenient. Oh, so, so that was like a thing you bought that was um, basically assembled. Yeah, it was not, our, not, our, not the like IKEA stuff where Kate brings it home. And, and then it's like the rest 78 of the pieces and like 78 or 700 screws. Oh, yeah. God. Like, yeah. yeah. Made the mistake of, well, not the mistake, but we upgraded our family computer so that it could run because yeah. the previous one was so old. And then Ben wanted the old one. So, you know, that uh, it's like, okay, sure. Where am I going to put this? You know, because I don't want him just to have the computer yeah. in his room. So it's like we have a computer corner in the living room now, all cramped up together. Nice. All right, we've been recording. Should we? <laughs> yeah, we should probably do an intro. Though I like the kind of banter thing in the beginning. Well, welcome, everyone. I'll decide we're, we're later if I'm going to share what we just talked about. <laughs> It's I, fine. The, laz matter. the laziness gets in the way. It does get in the way. The question is, can your marriage survive a trip to Ikea? That's true. That is the question. So right now I have this um, ox fuzz hybrid. Into oh, the... yeah. Man, it's it so fun. It's so fun, box. like, because you can play, like, pretty clean, you know, just by rolling your volume back. <laughs> That responds unbelievably well. That just sounds like a million bucks right there. <laughs> it's, yeah, just, that it's, just like, it's just so fun. Dude, that's awesome. What did I do today for fun? Oh, I, I sight read through the Brower studies. So. Oh, that's taking the, Yeah, taking the advice of, uh, like, I can side-read through them, like, the first 10, just because I've played them all a while ago, but I'm getting to a point where, like, my students are really needing to be educated on them. So yeah. it's like, oh, I got I, I actually got to practice these a little bit more besides just reading them when I Be get to the lesson. Better get it going. Yeah, get my crap together. So it's fun. I like it. It's interesting to see, like, the, every... Every time I get into that, it's just discovering something new that he's doing in a different way. Yeah. Definitely one of those ones that's worth checking out. Yep. I've never played those last ten. I think I might try those and learn them. Because everybody plays the first ten. And, but there's another set 
that aren't so simple that are part of it. And it's like, hmm, should give those a shot. I've been looking for new material. You know, never finishing, always looking. <laughs> I actually, I got to write down these things in order of priority. Like, finish the arranging, record the arranging. Actually, back that up. Let's put that down a little bit further. <clears throat> finish the first album that's recorded. <laughs> finish editing that. Which, it is motivating now that we've had that banter back and forth and discovering how to put, like, a, a good reverb on it. That trick of that oh, yeah. my buddy told me of putting that uh, side chain compressor on the reverb is like, oh my God, now it sounds like a room rather than something like washed in it. It's like responsive to what is playing in terms of the volume. So when it gets louder, it actually gets more reverb. It's like, oh, that is so wickedly cool. That's <laughs> what I think I was missing. And that's inspiring me to kind of keep working on the rest. Outside of one track that I might have to re-record because I... It's just stupid, and I thought I had a take without a buzz, and there's a significant buzz and a super slow part, and it's like, I can't have that. I just can't. You know, I just missed the note and was too stupid to redo it. So, really, really annoying, but whatever. That's what I sent is. you. I sent you that video today with the the vibrato thing, <clears throat> and uh, I think I did, like, two takes or something, because I ended up recording it. I don't know if you could tell. It wasn't coming from the phone yeah, video. Yeah. Like I recorded it with this mic, um, which you can't see right now. Um, and it's like there was one I took a take or something, and I and I like biffed a note, you know, or something, whatever it was. And uh, I was like, oh, I can't use that take. I guess it was like all <laughs> I was was sending you like a, this thirty second clip. I, I know what it's like. It's a matter of picking the jet, the best up. Oh man, that so, uh, there's nothing worse than doing a video. I mean, totally just complaining. Where is our list? We're trying to find our topic list. So this this is just the red plate. God, it's so good. Where did it go? Man, we're on fire today. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, well, that's because I don't have my list in front of my face. You have to hear a bunch of randomness. Um, not random this week on Friday. Finally releasing a red side visible thing and pre order and all that stuff. Awesome. This coming week? This Friday. This Friday. This Friday, yeah, which yeah. is what the sixteenth. Actually, I was kind of. I looked up. I googled what day of the week should you release the song. And, and what did they say? Well, so apparently, the like chart thing or whatever you know, like if you want to get on the bill, the Billboard charts and all that stuff, it's Friday to Thursday. So the best day to do it is Friday for that. But I saw an article which I have no inclination that I'm going to get on the charts. But yeah. they were like, they were like, it's not just the best day because of that. Like, it's actually the best day because that's when people listen more or something. So it, it I guess was that makes sense. like over the weekend and all that kind of stuff, right? So I don't know. I was like, okay, I just needed like something to tell me what to, what day to pick. Yeah, because yeah. I I was I said last week I'm like I'm gonna put it out this week. That's what I'm gonna do. But then I'm like, crap, what day do I do it? Because it, <laughs> it used to be Tuesdays. Remember that Tuesdays was yep. on. Tuesdays was released, and that happened mainly because the big box stores were able to get their shipments on a Sunday, 
and all the mom and pops would get the shipment on a Monday later on. So they'd have the new item right on Monday morning. Yeah. So, and I think that's only fair to be like, well, how about everybody just do it on Tuesday so everybody gets it and it's a level playing field. Yeah, like, I think I think they liked it too because it's like if something happened to the shipment or something, yeah, you had exactly, an extra day. Exactly, because that extra little bounce or a, of a, a leeway in the day to take care of uh, whatever else, make sure that it comes in. But I found the list. We have the list. So we're ready to start wood, air, and metal a little bit more formally. Look out. So these are the... Uh, Wait, intense... I got some whiplash. Hold on. Yeah, okay. Exactly. They're getting intense. Oh, that, that could have been from the griddle. I think <laughs> oh, it's, like, yeah. it's like 150 pounds. <laughs> 150 pounds of cooking material amazing yeah. yeah there it is so here are our topics as listed on the thing we have the new york city jazz club situation that we never talked about that oh, yeah. would be interesting to dive into we have philip sace again we could talk about that and the fender copying the custom guitars and trying to sell them after that and then we got the is the guitar music dying thing so those are all the topics that we have right now outside of the, you know, banter that we've had in the emails back and forth. But that's or not emails, but texting. That's mainly been overdrives. And what do you think of this reverb on this? What if I do this? What about is that? Yeah, <laughs> what sure. about See, uh, I, let's take on the SACE thing. I, that's an interesting topic. Yeah. So for those that don't know, Philip SACE, blues guitarist, a hybridization of Hendrix, Lenny Kravitz, I know Lenny Kravitz isn't blues necessarily, but his voice is totally sounds like Lenny Kravitz to me. Uh, Hendrix, Lenny Kravitz, Eric Johnson, and Stevie Ray Vaughan, like all wrapped into one thing. Yeah, with, like and, with a little bit more steroids. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit more steroids. And just a phenomenal, like it's kind of like listening to his live album totally ruined listening to his studio album. No, oh, sure, yeah. It's just like, man, I mean, he's good in the studio, but the energy level is just nowhere near as what was going on in in that live performance it's just like yeah the like if you're looking for the sort of epitome in a way of that like blues rock like yeah. over the top like if you want a Stevie Ray just to like put a little bit more hair on his distort you know on his guitar sound yeah. and like just a little bit more speed maybe or a little bit more like i don't know if it's not more ferocious than Stevie cuz he was already ferocious but like just a little more of some of those other things. Like, that's pretty much the guy. Like, that's what you're getting. Yep. He d puts in breakdowns that you don't expect. Like, True. in typical blues form, you're like, you're expecting, okay, there it is. There's a turnaround. Okay, nice. And the, But he just throws in stuff where it's like, oh, all right. That he keeps it interesting. And not that other stuff is boring, but it just, yeah. like, it doesn't fall into and here this comes type of thing. It's like, oh, there it is. Like, a little shift or adding a beat in a bar or something. It's like, oh, cool. All right. You know, and the band is tight. You know, yeah. to, to pull that stuff off, that was it's just phenomenal album, very very cool. Yeah. So, Philip is a big like vintage gear person, but in in particularly really like Strats and um, Fuzz Faces. But he has like a '66 something like that, '65 Strat. That's like his main guitar. I'm probably wrong on the, the year, but it, it's like a 60s Strat, I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> and he must be kind of sweaty or whatever, like, but the way he plays, like, there's a certain way that the um, the paint comes off. Like, it almost looks like it's relic, but you can see over the years, like, the transformation of this pretty white Strat that, like, 
just, yeah. <laughs> just like everything just starts chipping off of it. So there's like almost no um, paint. So it's, it's a fairly recognizable strat actually because of just the weird pattern that his hands made on it, you know, just from playing it. And I'm, I can't even think of anybody else's strat that's ever looked like his. So the reason we're bringing this up is a few years ago, we found this post in... So apparently Philip had his guitar at Fender because they were doing a repair or something or like a fret job or I don't know what it was. Um, maybe, I don't know, whatever, they were fixing something. And then that later that year at NAMM, they had these <laughs> like, places. they had this like relic Strat that was like identical yep. looking yep. to his Strat. Like the same like wear marks and everything, but they didn't call it like the Phillips Ace custom whatever. They just made it as part of the series, mm -hmm. and it's like anybody who walked by would say, "Wait, oh, you guys are doing a Ace signature suite?" Yeah, not yeah. only that, it was like six thousand dollars or something. Oh, it's more than that, I think. Yeah, it was like it was like, expensive. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and they didn't like no credit to him, and like it was like the same. I think like all, everything was the same as his. And then they said that it wasn't his. And he's like, here's a picture of mine. Here's a picture of your copy. Tell me what's going on here. Right. It's like, it's, it's a, granted, it's not the same woods nor made in the same year, but pretty much everything else is. Identical. It was like, it looked like an intentional like copy job. Yep. Um, and they did the same thing that John Bonamassa. Jo Joe right? Bonamassa, yeah. John. I Joe. don't know if it was. Yeah. No, I think it was. Gibson, I think that it did that one. Same okay. deal. They like had one of his like main guitars. I don't know too much about that story, so don't quote me too much. Or maybe it was Epiphone, or I don't. Somebody made like a relic, looking like exactly like his guitar in the same way, and then like no credit at all, like to him. Yep. So, but the question is, is could you copyright something like that? Of course you can't. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like it. I think it's dirty that they did it. Absolutely. But the other half of me is like, how do you be like, I'm going to copyright the wear and tear on my guitar. Or, you know, <laughs> I mean, you can't even copyright this. This is a yeah. Telecaster, really, but this is not a Telecaster. Mm -hmm. um, and I love this guitar. It's my favorite guitar that I own. It's yeah. a beautiful guitar. But it's also kind of like, we can get into this a little bit. It's, it's, it's kind of a weird industry where everybody just copies everyone. Yeah, like, but that what happened with the Gibson lawsuit with the Les Pauls where they stopped uh, Ivanez? Like it, mu know, it must have been because they were close enough. I think like they had the everything was the same, like the headstock and the shape, and so okay. like here the headstock is not the same. Um, there's different. Yeah. There's differences like this little. Yeah, look. this little thinner. That's thinner up there. Like it's not as pronounced as the Fender one would be. And then. Uh, yeah, there's just like little subtle difference. You have to have so so much different. I think all the um, clone places, so to speak, know what the limit is, like how close they can get without being the same thing. Um, yeah, so I think that's what happened with the the Ibanez one. That was just too exact. Like it was, like, yeah, it was like somebody copied it and chiseled out the same thing. <laughs> Apparently those are great too. Like if you can find any of those. Oh yeah, I, that's what I was gonna say. And they did a better job than Gibson actually did. So yeah, it was just ha happened to be like a sort of an, let's say, an unfortunate time 
in Gibson's history where they weren't making like super high quality stuff at the time. Um, and you could argue whether they are now or not. That's a different story, but that that was sort of a low point. So there was a, there was an opportunity for a lot of people just to come in and sort of swoop in, but it, it's hard to like, could you imagine if Toyota just made an exact replica of like a Corvette? Like it just looked exactly like a Corvette had a V8, everything, you know, like, like everything was down to the thing where they, and then they sold it for, you know, a quarter of the price. <laughs> oh man. Like that, would, uh, would that be okay? That is the question. Or if they like, all they did was slightly change the headlights or something like, <laughs> <laughs> well, our, you know, it's, it's not the McRib, it's the MacRib. You know? <laughs> yeah, or Mr. Pib. It's not Dr. Pepper, it's Mr. Pib. Mr. Pib didn't go to college, but he's just as good. So it, um, yeah, I mean, it happens all over the industry. I, and it, I think it, it waits for like 10 years, but with guitars, it seems to be different to an extent. I mean, the Strat and the Les Paul have been copied to the nth degree since they even came out. It was like, boom, ES 35, uh, 335, same thing. Um, any major guitar that's been up on stage has been copied right. very quickly. And it's a matter of what level of, like you were saying, like where does it become... Uh, a, a copy that is permissible and a copy that's not permissible. Like what exact, how much percentage of features need to be different in order to get away with that? If there is a, such a rule, I don't know. I'm just kind of like talking. Well, does it, I mean, it's like ethics though too, right? It's not just. Oh yeah. No, that, I didn't even get into that aspect. Of <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, like, I haven't crossed over that line. It's like, in one sense, it's almost like that whole thing with vision. And when he was talking to himself, the ship of Theseus, you know, it's like the museum. Oh yeah. Yeah, the museum. It's for anybody wow. that doesn't what well, WandaVision reference. Yeah, WandaVision reference there, but uh, it, it is a legitimate philosophical question that they'll ask. Like, if you have the ship of Theseus in a museum and you start to replace all the rotten wood with replacements, eventually the whole thing gets replaced. So the question is: Is it the ship of Theseus or is it the replacement? Because it's the exact same, but with yeah. new things. So, yeah, which part? Which part's real? Yeah, what what is the real one uh, is the question off of that. And that's, uh, you know, I guess I can kind of apply to the guitar realm with things in terms of copying. So it's like, where do you get to the point of now it's definitely infringing on copyright. And but, you know, having that tuner be that 16th of an inch off is totally fine. It's, <laughs> it's OK. It's OK to do that. I, and I yeah. don't know. Maybe it's much so, more. yeah, the advocates of. I guess the cloning industry will say. Well, it exists because Gibson and Fender have quality issues. <clears throat> so the reason why the, the smaller boutique builders can do what they're doing is because there's a there's a desire from the industry, you know, from people to want more consistency, to want better woods chosen. Like when you buy a Fender, you don't necessarily like do you believe that somebody was going like, oh, we have 300 pieces of wood and I don't, I, I picked the best one, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Or is it like, it's more like, oh, we had 300. Okay, you better, we got to use all 300 before we move on to the next batch, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so you just never know what you're going to get. 
where like I know like K-line stuff like you'd like spend a ton of time like finding which woods and which suppliers and you know like matching them up and then figuring out the different neck pockets slightly so that it resonates more and all these you know like there's all these little like improvements and there's that sort of uh expert touch put on at the end to make sure okay was is this live up to my name i don't want to put this out there if if it's not going to be good enough um where (laughs) that doesn't happen right in those other ones no no i i I completely agree with that i think it you know but then you have the accessibility issue you know because not everybody's going to have a k-line for their first guitar because of the investment that it'll take compared to a well and he doesn't have the capability to put out that many instruments, right? Yeah, and I don't think he would, but I think that's the that's the other underlying point that I was pushing at, or that was like sitting in my head, is that even at that level, I don't think he'd go like, oh yeah, let's just do our batch of like, you know, $400 guitars and get these done and then go back to the other thing. It's, um, it's kind of compromising, you know? Sure, like, I mean, you see, you like, see even like- a way, The Kuhn, is that how you say it? Um, Murray Kuhn, yeah. I think that, so, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it, uh, great looking guitars, awesome, at least in looks. And I like the physical descriptions that he's giving them. It's like, we've done this and this. And it's cool. The tech guy in me is like, all right, sweet, new guitar technology and a guitar. Well, let's see what it sounds like. And it makes you want to buy one. It really does. <laughs> Especially, I like the idea of the straight Well, some people, but yeah, keep going, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, the straight strings to that, you know, kind of like breaking a little bit of the mold to see where we can get the guitar in its uh, shape to be better, you know, through different uh, manufacturing techniques. And I don't think he'd go with like, oh, yeah, it's time to do my lower end version, which is one of those things that I thought was interesting when Breedlove decided to do it. Like, I, I would have never suspected Breedlove out of all the boutique guitars that were out there at the time to be the one to go into mass manufacturing like Taylor did. Uh, and they both suffered for it to an extent. Like they got a huge uh, following and they're all out there. And some of them are actually, don't hear what I'm not saying. They're not lousy instruments, but they suffered a little bit in the quality from the top end. Absolutely. Like, uh, I think sure, so. Sure, right. Uh, you know, cause I mean, and I'm not trying to like hype mine up, but the one that I got was like, it's no dovetail on the headstock. It was like one solid piece type of thing. So way, way, way before Taylor became Taylor guitars. Uh, like they are now but i also happen to be the biggest guy to put my students into the taylor academy guitar as soon as they ask me like which one should i get i'm like for the money these guitars are incredible like if you're looking around 500 bucks buy a taylor academy i had a student get one and it it blew my mind and ever since then literally every student that has picked one up has been the same quality yeah i mean they've got obviously manufacturing of guitars cheaper and, and better and all those kind of things are happening too so yeah yeah you, you ever watch those josh i'm sorry i'm kind of switching sort of but those josh smith um interviews he does mm. you've ever seen this he, do, he yeah. does these things though he's like these 10 questions that he asks everybody and it's kind of yeah. cool because he has great guests and they're good questions and I, I can't remember what they all are but they're all good questions but one of them is would you rather have yeah, I think you told me this one. Like, go ahead. Would you rather have a great guitar and like a crap amp? Well, let's say uh, like 
not a great amp, a couple hundred dollar amp. Mm-hmm. Um, or would you rather have? I'm sorry, did I say a, a crap guitar, a great guitar, and a crap amp, yeah. and then or or have yeah. a crap guitar like a two hundred dollar whatever guitar and a great amp? And I'm curious what you would say. I'm suspecting you would say great guitar. Yeah, but I think that's mainly because I'd be thinking of a great acoustic and I wouldn't care about the amp. You know, if it was a strict electric world that changes, like, let's just say, let's narrow it down. It's got to be electric because we're doing an electric. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We'll just do that. Um, Then it'd be, it makes it a little bit tougher. And I know the answer that one of your guys uh, said to it. and after hearing that, that totally poisoned the well, so to speak. And my own thing is like, actually, that does make a big difference. I'd probably go with the the crap guitar and a better amp, you know, just because of the sound. And it, because whoever it was that you said to answer the same way that I did, um, his reasons were great. You know, he's like, the amp is like the guitar sound. Like if you have, it's like, um, what's the way to put it? <laughs> oh, it's like putting. Oh no! It's like putting Russian caviar on uh, gas station sushi. <laughs> you know, if if you have the great guitar and the lousy amp, versus the other way around. Uh, well, whatever that w- would be in that type of scenario. I don't know. I'm, I'm running out of analogies tonight, but you know what I mean. It's like uh, sure. if the amp is going to be the mouthpiece of it, you at least want it to say something intelligent. Consider uh, and pronounce things correctly. Versus the other way around of being like, you know, having a, an incredible idea, but not being able to verbalize it. If you're going to try to anthropomorphize the, uh, <laughs> the guitar and the amps there without getting into the whole phallic ideology or anything oh my gosh. like that. Where are we going? Yeah, no, that, no, that was like, that was the old joke with uh, Dusan Bogdanovich because the guy's just a, a, a mind job. Like he's is, so that, brilliant. is that how you say his name? Yeah. How did you say it? Bogdanovich. Huh. Why did I always think it was like Bogdanovich or something? Because that's the way I used to pronounce it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that, but I'm pretty sure it's Bogdanovich. Uh, that uh, that sounds more appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. But he, uh, like, he's all into that like type of thinking and so on. But that doesn't really matter to where we are, uh, what we're talking about now. Anyways, so the uh, I would pick the cheap guitar with the amp. Yeah, well, I would definitely pick the amp. Have a good amp. Um, the guitar would be a lot less important, probably. In the electric world. <clears throat> Though, yeah. it stinks when you have a guitar. Like, I'm trying to think, like, what guitar... If, if I had, like, a shredder guitar, you know, like, EMGs, but I had, like, a red play... It just would... It would be such a bummer. It would be so, like... It's such a buzzkill. Even though those guitars play great or whatever um you wouldn't be able to use like anything from the amp because it's like the pickups are so hot and yeah the, the, that was like... the output of those pickups would just make it so that it's kind of flat in terms of the response or i think like okay well those guitars play well um but let's imagine like part of it being a crap guitar is like the knobs don't work that well so it's either all the way on or off so like you wouldn't have any control <laughs> over it either so it'd be such a bummer in a lot of ways to play that. Um, but, you know, if it was like 
Mexican strat kind of thing. You know, I'd be happy to play that. Yeah, so that's fine. exactly where I want. It's like Squires strat. There we go. That's what it is. They're reliable. I remember when I worked at Guitar Center many, many, many moons ago. Some guy was in there uh, trying out Squire strats to pick the best one, and I'm like, dude, it's, it's, a, it's a Squire strat. <laughs> there's, there's not going to be tiers of Squire strats in this store, man. That's right. that. That's but okay. And he sat there for a good two hours, and then sent it up, settled up on one, and I was like, okay, that's fine, whatever. If you think it sounds better, more power to you, bud. <laughs> so, um, and though, I mean, I think there's a little bit of something to that. Like it, when you have a mass manufacturing thing, sometimes yeah. you just get gems that come out. It's just the, the way that it is. I mean, Do, there's your you, average and then there's going to be ones that are above it. Uh, are you familiar with Jack Pearson? Do you know that name? No. He, great guitar player, like country kind of guitar. I think he actually used to play with um, the Almond Brothers at one point okay. so he basically went deaf fantastic guitar player plays squire guitar he's been playing it for like 25 years this squire um Great. but it's funny so people will be like see like jack pearson plays a squire and he's amazing like you don't need a great guitar like that's kind of like the rationale that starts to happen but he does play like boutique amps you know <laughs> they're like really high end amps and also to your point what you just said which is like i it's it's possible that the one he got was like that diamond in the rough. Yep. Because he can he could get any guitar he wanted, you know. Um, he'd probably get it for free because people would pay him to you know to use it um, effectively. So it's not like he couldn't get one if he wanted to. I think he just found the one where he like. I think that's even the story. He's like he went to the store and he picked one off the the shelf and he's like, "Whoa, this guitar is actually really nice. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll take it." And then just became like his thing. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I've had another buddy uh, way back when I was in Buffalo. Uh, Mike DeSantis, I think was his name. Great guitar player, uh, great singer, like the whole package. And uh, he had this $300 Washburn that, you know, for all intents and purposes at that level at that time, it, it yeah. most of those were like, here's your plywood with a nice covering. And sure. there you go. It's got electronics in it. So it makes it more expensive. And but the thing sounded like a million bucks, like it sounded fantastic. And he did some slight upgrades with it. He had locking tuners put on it, and uh, like a, a decent pickup system. But even then, like it, it was clearly like a phenomenal sounding instrument, just as it was. So it uh, it all it's like hey, you never know. You know try something cheap. <laughs> I went to the guitar center the other day. Oh, to find one of these things, this boom stand, and nothing lefty in the entire store. I was like, oh, this is just oh yeah not even yeah that, that's the thing like lefty we never get to do that we never get to be like oh let's try this squire that's over here like yeah it's like well or one of well there's like 75 of them let me pick one and see if any of them are any good like we never get to do that yeah someday i'll hit that store up in texas hopefully with a money couple, <laughs> a couple grand yeah a couple at least a couple grand i'll um, probably just write to the prs's more than anything else so um I mean, you said something and I was going to reply about it. I don't remember what it was now. Uh, I was talking about no left-handed guitars in the Guitar Center. Then heading down to South Bar, a couple grand. It was before that. I don't know. But we got a little bit off a of topic, as usual. But that's fine. I think we need rabbit holes till I start to fill up this <laughs> list of topics again. So, No, it's, it was still interesting that... Um, 
was I going to say? Darn it. Oh, well. Let's move on. Yeah, moving on a little bit. Okay, so we talked about the Sace thing, we talked about the Fender copy, then the guitar copying thing, which I still think, you know, it's interesting to see nowadays, though. There's a lot of original models coming out. A whole lot. Like, compared to there was 30 years ago, there's so many different takes on guitars. It's great. You know, maybe it's the... I mean, it's clearly the internet that has gotten these other guys, manufacturing-wise, at least a platform. Sure. And, but I think that's awesome just to look at it because I mean the, now like Strandberg's a huge name, and you know you got that disc company, the GOC Guitars, which is starting to take off. Uh, and they yeah, actually, uh, well Strandberg not keeping up with demand opened the door for companies yeah, similar to them. To... Absolutely, I mean, but Kiesel's doing it, um, and they're really getting a, a, a huge following. Like I, I Carvin, yeah, the re the rebrand of Carvin was interesting. Yeah, that was, uh, I never expected that to happen. And it, all of a sudden, flip, Kiesel, and now it's like, boom, everybody's buying them. Um, I, kick, I keep kicking around the idea, but I just, I don't know, I just couldn't do it with them. I, th- I feel like, so they used to make three different Holdsworth models. They only make one now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, I feel like I need to do it just because... I don't know. It's Holdsworth. Like, so that, yeah. that's the one I keep thinking. Oh, I really need to just order one of those. Plus, it'd be really nice for traveling. Cause yeah. That's a small um, headless guitar. Yep. I mean, this one I actually have a Strandberg gig bag for that one. And that's what they told me to buy. They're like, we honestly to ship a gig bag to you from here, you're better off just buying another <laughs> the one over there. It's going to be cheaper. I'm like, hey, I appreciate that honesty. I mean, granted, if I would have saw that price, I would have been like, yeah, no, I'll just uh, get it <laughs> yeah, over right. here. Thanks. Um, and so he's like, yeah, just a Strandberg one fits totally fine. And there it is. I feel somewhat official carrying that thing around. I mean, man, you know, I've always been so cheap with uh, cases. Though oh. I recently, when I went to New York last time to play, I, I did get the Amano case, which is super nice. Yeah, that, but I'm always the, like really like, Ugh, like, do I really want to spend more than like thirty dollars on a case? <laughs> thirty dollars. Let's go down this rabbit hole. Now let's talk about guitar cases for a second because you get your like your beginner guitars that come with basically a plastic sleeve, you know, that go yeah. over top of it. Which if it's an electric guitar, which is like half my cases. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's like I got. That Strandberg case, which I think was like 150 bucks, just for the which was oh, man. it was expensive, but it fits perfect and it's padded right and and it has neck support, so I'm pretty yeah. happy. Then I have a Fender gig bag for this guy, which was still probably 100 bucks, like because it's a Fender gig bag versus a no name one. Um, then I have the Taylor case, which is like your typical thing that can kill somebody if it drops on them. Um, then I have another similar one for my other classical, and then I have the BAM case, which is like that was seven hundred and fifty bucks for the case. That's a cool case, uh, though. It's yeah, it, that case is awesome. It's yeah, like yeah. carbon fiber, Kevlar, super light, super durable. Yeah. You know, it, I actually uh, shot it at him once because you know he said something yeah. he well, it was inappropriate. And yeah, it bounced run. right off. <laughs> That's why I keep it on my back, just for those dirty left-handed guys that come after me. So, right. it, <laughs> but yeah, that case is like. It's I mean, solid. I would say most of my guitars have hard shell cases because they came with them, but I never use them. Like, it's such a pain to use a hard shell case. 
Like, like to go to a gig with a hard shell case. Uh, I'm already carrying well, like all this. I'm carrying all this other crap. Yeah, like exactly. Like that I can get. There was no way on God's green earth I would ever put one of my classicals in a gig. No. Like, because that's I fall over and the guitar is ruined. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's a thing that kind of stops me from using any type of gig bag on an acoustic. Almost like I would probably put my tailor in one of those styrofoam uh, gator cases things that are like gig bags, but they're padded. Yeah, have you, have you seen the mono cases? Yeah, yeah, they have yeah. acoustic. Yeah, because the yeah, one I, I the have. one I have is for my um, my Eastman. Okay, so it's like a dreadnought style or size case. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, it's great. It's like. <laughs> You could, I think you could probably throw the Eastman out my second story window and onto the ground and it'd be fine. <laughs> as long, yeah, as, it, as, long as it didn't hit like just perfect or something, I think it would be yeah, fine. So that, but actually, on, on the bottom, they have like this rubber, this really thick yeah, rubber. Yeah, the rubber feet thing. Yeah. Yeah. On there, well, so. it's not even feet, it's like the whole bottom of its rubber. Huh. And so, do you put it in, like, does the zipper go down to the. Yeah, okay. Here, I'll just grab it. it. Yeah. Look at this. We've got modern technology. I can just walk. <laughs> <laughs> Why use your feet, dude? Come on. Nobody walks anywhere anymore. DoorDash that. <laughs> yeah, I'd, leave, I'd like a DoorDasher to come to my house and pick up my guitar case and bring it to me. Cool. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Dang, that's huge. What's that? Yeah, it's big. Case. Yes, yeah, so you can see like it's like nice yeah, firm thing. But yeah, the whole bottom's like this rubber. That's pretty nice. Yeah. I can't remember how much these are like two hundred bucks or maybe. Yeah, two hundred bucks. I was looking at one for the GOC. It it was way nicer than I expected actually. Oh, I expected that to be for a gig bag to cost two hundred dollars. It's it should be nice. I like think it maybe it was nice. maybe it's one fifty or something. But yeah, it, it started around two hundred. I remember because I was looking at them kind of recently, and then but even then, like even with that seven hundred and fifty dollar guitar case, the bands, which if you want a super light case, it's totally worth it with a huge amount of protection. There's got you can go up from there to a Carlton case, which is like you know starts at a thousand and is custom built to your guitar, and yeah. that. Weighs a ton. Like the Carlton cases are not lightweight cases. They're like ten to fifteen pounds, but they're you know what's the homogeneously sealed? Is that the right word? Uh, hermetically sealed. Yeah. And uh, they're it's just like they're they're absolutely built like to take. If you could run over it with a tank almost, and it would be fine. And the same thing with the Accord cases, which are kind of the same thing, but the Accords I think look a little slicker and weigh a good amount less. Karura. Um, uh, Hoffman's, all those are around the same price point and doing the same thing. But even that, like, I remember hearing a story of a classical guy. I think it was a Damon that broke, but he had it in an Accord case or one of those super high-end cases on a flight. And when the plane took off, it was fine. But when it, it moved the guitar to the back of the plane, but when it went back down, the guitar just went, poof, the entire length of the plane. Hmm. And the impact... It, it just shattered it on the inside. Like, it just, are you, are they sure that's why it did it? That's it with the story. I don't know if that's exactly it, but so, either way, <laughs> I mean, there is a physical line of how much force something can happen to the inside. Just go. 
No yeah, but what. you know what usually happens. So th- if you're playing, if your guitar is going to go under the plane, you got to loosen your strings mm-hmm. because the pressure changes like crazy under there. Yeah. Yep. So if yes. you don't loosen your strings and you keep them tight and they have to go under the plane, you might shatter your guitar. <laughs> and it's <laughs> not not because it fell or got hit or that the people like threw it off the plane or whatever. Oh, this was definitely like it had the marks of this hit something really, really hard on the outside. So, of the case. oh, so the case looked beat up. Yeah, the case had scuffs on it and long marks that were not on the case previously. Well, that had marks, but did it look shattered? No, that was the thing. The case looked fine. Open the mm. case, guitar. So, oh, you know, so I wonder if that's a little bit like um, they don't make cars like they used to, <laughs> because <laughs> maybe because they're like death traps, right? Because if your car hits a tree and the car doesn't bend, something has to bend. Yes, and that's exactly. going to be you. Yeah, well, that's my point with the the internal physics of the case. It's like the case didn't give anything, so it had to, that force had to go somewhere. <clears throat> and if that guitar is sitting in there, and it, maybe if there was like you know a quarter of an inch of space for that guitar to just move, but yeah. considering the amount of inertia, bam, that's it. You know, either way, it's always better to take your pl- guitars on the plane. Always, <laughs> always, always, always. Oh well, so- man, you know, I I fly a lot, and uh, I always take a guitar. Yes. See, and I always feel a lot safer with an electric. No offense to electric players. Oh, this but is, it, I would, like tanks. Yeah, yeah. So, I never let them put them under the plane, though. Like I never, yeah. like never. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't do it. And either. I and I play, and I never take like, not never. If I'm playing gigs, I take a nice guitar. If I'm just going traveling for work, and I, I, I'll take something that's not nearly as valuable, just in case. But they they always hand me the gate check thing, and I'm like, oh, thank you, and I put it in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, yep. And uh, and then I get on the plane, and like the people will be like, there's no room for this. I'm like, oh, I'll find some room, and then I do. Yeah, uh, almost all the time. Or if I don't, they'll be like, I'll just put it in the closet. You know, like they kind of <laughs> like, okay, thanks. I always I am never more nice than when trying to get my guitar into a plane. <laughs> it's like my mom told me that because she worked for the airline. She's like, if you're nice, people will help you. If you end up getting elitist and getting snobby, they you're going to lose your support just like that. <laughs> you're going to lose your help. And so I'm always super nice. And I've had generally fantastic experiences outside of once. And that's where I should have not been nice and just waited for another plane. But uh, I, I definitely had most of the time people were really nice. But you get the, occasionally you get people that are like, that's not going on this plane. You know, like before they even look, before they see anything yeah. else. And then the other, the, I used to feel a little bit bad about it because it's like, wow, I mean, you, you prevent, you might be preventing someone from putting their baggage up there and then they have to gate check their baggage and you kind of can feel bad about that. But if you get, if you travel enough, you start to realize that people put like everything up there. Like yeah, anyone oh, who yeah. gets on the plane kind of first, they'll throw all the stuff you're not supposed to put up there mm-hmm. and and, you know, they put their work bag and this bag and their jacket and this other thing and that other thing up there. So as soon as I started noticing, like, that the first, I know, one bad deed, like, <laughs> turns into another bad But it, it made me feel like less, like, like there is enough room for everybody's bag and mm-hmm. my guitar. Yep. If anything should have to come down, it shouldn't be the guitar. It yeah, should be... The- the random purse, like the, the 30 purses that were put up there 
as well yep. as their baggage, as well as their jacket, you know, like, and everybody put their personal bags up there. Like that stuff should come down first, in my opinion. No, I completely because you can agree. put it under your seat. Exactly. So That's exactly it right there. And the funny thing is, is like, you know, my classical is not a huge guitar. Even in that BAM case, it's not even that big. So I put it up there. You can still fit a bag next to it or yeah. and on the side of it. You know, it's like, okay. And some of them, some overhead bins, I can even stand this thing on its side. And then it's like, there's nothing in there. Yeah, right. So it, uh, it works out really well. I like that. But uh, yeah. And I, 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 also, I noticed. Um, so I travel enough that, because for my work, that I do have like the gold member or whatever thing, you know, that lets me get on the plane early if I want to, which I hate getting on planes early, by the way. But if I have a guitar, which I always do, then oh, okay. I get on a plane early um, because I want to get a spot, you know. Yeah. But uh, oh, where was I going with that? The uh... oh, you'll see. There's certain people, like they'll see the guitars up there because I'll be one of the first people that's in the thing, and they they'll be like, "Oh, guitar." They go to the next um, mm -hmm. shelf. They won't even put anything in there. But then there's some people who are like, "I don't, I hate guitars or something." They like shove. <laughs> <them. laughs> You're like. You sure you don't it's, want to just get a run down the aisle and then try to force it in yeah, the, there? The, it's it's the same as those, the people that when they see like cyclists on the road, like uh, most yeah. people like generally like, okay, I'm going to slow down and kind of get out of the way. And then some people are like, this is my road. You shouldn't be on my road. And then <laughs> yeah, like get, get as close as they can and like speed up and like maybe even come over a little bit. Like some people are just wired wrong, I think. Yeah. It's, <laughs> my father-in-law is a cyclist and he, uh, I mean, he's had a couple of accidents, but the one thing that he said, he's like, if you're ever cycling and there's those white lines on the road, he's like, it might seem like a jerk move, but don't stay on that white, don't go over the white line onto the shoulder, like if you're cycling. Stay on the road. Because if you go on the white line, you cars think they have yeah. the space to just go. And so you're more likely to get hit if you're on that side of it than if you are more in the street because of... They make a wide girt. Most people, outside of you know your your garbage people, <laughs> like you were talking about, um, will get, make a wider girth around the the cyclist, and and that's fine. It's like it it doesn't bother me that much. Yeah, whatever. I think some people get like actually mad. Yeah. So oh, I think yeah. it's, it's the same people that get on the plane and they see the guitar <laughs> and they're like, screw the guitar, you know, and they're like. I hope it breaks, you know. I hate bicycles because they look like a guitar. Yeah, like Somehow. people, people, I mean, there's people that get out there like, bikes shouldn't be on the road. <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to try to get this bicyclist off the road forever. Oh, yeah. yeah. On I my don't, I don't bachelor party, during my bachelor party, my father-in-law broke his hip cycling. Like, so I ended up going in my bachelor party late. And Julie's like, go, 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 go. I'm like, I'm not going to leave. Your dad, like, literally about to go in for, like, life-changing surgery. I'm not leaving right now. You know, that's, it's, come on. Get it, it to whatever. Mm -hmm. So, but she was also forcing me out because it, uh, a friend of mine flew from California to surprise me. I didn't know that he was there. Oh, yeah. So, she's like, you should go. <laughs> yeah, right. Get out there. Oh, okay. But whatever. Um, so yeah, they all kind of lump in the, the, the roadway and airplane Karens mm -hmm. or Carl's or whatever it is for the, that, uh, Oh, is Carl the male version of it? I don't know. I'm just kind of going with it. Oh another. man, I'm going to have to, cause one of the guys I travel with, that's his name. I'll have to, I'll have to give him crap for it. <laughs> I hope so. There's hey, Chad. Carl. I think it's, Chad. <laughs> it's Karens and Chad's. Ah, oh, darn. Bummer. So.
chat. I, I, that doesn't I, help me. Whatever. Either way, you know what they're, you're referring to. You can still use Carl. Why not? <laughs> whatever, Carl. Quit complaining. Ugh, Talk to the shoot. manager, Carl. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I didn't even know the Karen thing. For the longest time, I just missed the reference. So. <laughs> I, now it's impossible to miss it, but... The, the the haircut thing is what does it, yeah. you know. Maybe that would be a great a great band would be like instead of flock of seagulls like flock of Karens and all have that same bob haircut. Oh, there you go. Walk out on stage and just complain to the manager like that's your whole stage routine. You walk out and do nothing but bitch at the sound guy and then get mad at the the, the venue operator for everything and leave the stage without never playing. It's true. Uh, I, <laughs> there goes my quick viral fame. So. True. Well, you'll never get a gig. I guess you don't need gigs anymore. Not that there's yeah, any. exactly. I mean, it, it, you, you could get one gig. <laughs> the one, and then after that, your band's finished. Oh, that that would be priceless, so. Hmm. I wonder how many... I wonder how that would take off. If anybody wants to do that, <laughs> let's form a band. Block of Karens. <laughs> you gonna cut just, your hair like that? For one gig, for viral fame? Maybe. <laughs> maybe just just to do it like have a bunch of oh that 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 would be precious and it would have to be like a live reaction like you'd have to do it as a joke but nobody else be in on the joke and just really sell it that would be super <laughs> oh my god well, so, <laughs> especially if you get like sponsors to somehow work work it out <laughs> like all these sponsors like churches and schools <laughs> and Oh, geez, that could... <laughs> now I have a new life goal. You realize that. You know, the ADD or whatever it Not is. Not to mention uh, American Airways. Or yep. American Airlines. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be good to have the band take a plane flight. And just dock... It's almost like Spinal Tap 2.0. You know, it's a flock of Karens. You know, just document them forming the band, flying to their first big show, and just totally being certain words we can't say on the podcast the entire time that would that would be i would pay to see that for sure <laughs> <laughs> sign up for hbo max for the movie one off and then be done there you go that, uh, that, that would be amazing uh this is gonna keep going through my head for like i'm gonna oh, yeah, keep... there you go write it down yep or don't write it down so that the world's a better place for never having experienced it. <laughs> <laughs> one of the two. Oh man so the other topics we have here are either guitar music dying, is guitar music dying? And then that whole fiasco with Smalls Club in New York City. Depending on how long we want to take this conversation. Yeah, I might might stay out of that one for now. But the, uh, is guitars dying? We haven't done that, have we? No, but the question is, is do we have enough time to even broach that subject now? Or do Why don't we, we broach it? Broach it and then come back to it? Yeah, we can always come back. It'll be a... a Consistent theme, probably, or constant theme. Oh, really? A theme. podcast about guitars and guitar music? That and guitars. So, there's like a dichotomy in this. So, is guitar dying? Um, allegedly, according to the guitar industry, there's never been like more guitars sold than now. But that feels a lot like one of those stats that it's like playing with stats. Like, hey, there's more guitars being sold now than the 1960s when rock and roll was taking off. Well, yeah, but there's a lot more people. 
Yeah, that's so, what I was gonna say. That, that I I would agree that these stats are skewed. And, and there's a lot more guitars you could buy. So mm-hmm. and people and they're cheaper in a in a sense. So like where maybe then you'd only have one guitar in the house. If you have a guitar player in the house, they have twenty guitars. So there's you know, so is that it feels a little bit like one of those kind of things. Like, well, we're yeah. playing with numbers a little yeah. bit. On the other yeah. side, you have the popular music where there's it's basically void of guitar. And if yeah. it is in the music, it's as an effect. It's like you've... It's not a lead instrument in any of that. It's a, It's just an effect, effectively. It's like some kind of texture that can be used. But it would just be like adding violin or something or adding... Uh, synth sound or something it's it's yeah, used in a very similar a kind of guitar. way what's that if it's even a real guitar it's usually just a patch or something and then some people will say well look john mayer or something's really popular well john mayer's 45 ish i don't know 50 uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. he's he's probably not relevant with the younger crowd at this point i can say that not like he used to be but that goes with every band you know, it's like all of a sudden, poof, that, that that younger draw tends to disappear. But that also gets into the whole record company thing and everything else. Though I would argue the counterpoint that I don't think that... I, I'll agree that the stats are predominantly skewed because it's just a... It's taking a multifactorial problem and looking at one aspect of it. And it's not that there's a lot more to as to why guitars are being sold right now besides it just being popular. Yeah. You know, it's a population density... Uh, cost efficiency spare time you know there's a lot of things that go into it so we can't just take the uh the industry thing and of course the industry is going to be the the biggest the trumpet of itself period because uh, we're selling more guitars we need an investment Here, to do the next round here's guitar. a question for you is Wait, some, let me it, a point real quick okay Save sorry the, okay so the the other thing is um i think that I don't think the guitar music is dying because as much as this is kind of like the 80s in a sense of like virtuosity's back on the map, map uh, guitar-wise, it's uh, playing levels have gone up. It's not the same control aspect over the radio that it is today. Like back in the 80s and 90s, you know, it was like you would hear stuff on the radios and then you'd go buy the CD or you'd show up at a club and see a band and get it. There wasn't a whole lot of easy ways to promote yourself. Now it's like... You can be online, do the Facebook thing, and you can have a valid career and never break onto a huge radar. You don't need or write a song. Yeah, you know it. It, it exa- But that's my point: is that you ha- you have all these uh, somewhat, at least financially, ma- the artistic merits. Let's just leave that to the side for the second. But at least financially, there's a, a plenty of opportunity to get enough of a niche where you can survive comfortably. Maybe not like super rich. Or buying airplanes or whatever, but at least to be able to support yourself if you hit a certain level of, of feed, positive feedback in that space. Whereas back in the day, it was like, you were either going to make it at, at some degree of of national level or you were done. Like, Do you think that's it, true? I don't know if that's true. I mean, in the sense of like, well, I mean, yes and no. You know, it's like... Because you could make a living, a pretty good one, as the local musician then. Yeah, but which, I'm talking which you just can't bands. just playing in bands too, not playing not teaching, not just playing in bands, make make enough to buy a house and 
do all that stuff and not ever be famous, which is completely impossible today. Okay, that I will totally grant you. Yeah, because I remember like back in the 60s or whatever, you get 100 bucks a night or whatever. And uh, like now you get 100 bucks a night. But back in the 60s, $100 had a lot more weight to right. it. It was the same as getting like 700 now. Um, yeah, and then you, and now that there's, you know, there was gigs where you played seven hours a night or whatever, you know? Um, you know, do multiple gigs, go to one, then pack up and go to the next one. Yeah. I mean, where we're at in Ohio is not necessarily a, a town that could do that. New York City, you could do that. And I think Cleveland, I don't, you could do I don't know about that either. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I've watched internet videos, <laughs> but like, um, well, I'm saying, so I, one of the things I remember when I lived in New York is like, you got your hundred dollars a gig in Ohio. It was the same hundred dollars, like literally hundred dollars for the same gig in New York. But New York costs four times as much money. Yes. So it's like, well, that hundred dollars goes even less than the hundred dollars does for us. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's kind of. It's not like you get paid eight hundred dollars a gig there to compensate for what you would get for a hundred dollars a gig here. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, maybe it's the pricing structure, or the who knows? I mean, it's like. Again, it's a multifactorial problem. But going back into whether or not guitar music is dying, I think that, like, with all those factors in it, I don't think that it's going to be the same type of pushback that it was from, like, the 80s hair metal to the 90s grunge to kind of, like, push that out of the way and then the swing into pop type of thing. I think that it's... Everybody has their own niche, and they can stay in it as much as they want. They don't have to listen to anything else. Like, I, I can't remember the last time I've had the radio on. And I'm talking, like, 15 years. Ever since I got my first CD burner, not iPod, but CD burner, it was like, I don't need the radio anymore. Done. Sure. You know, it's like, whatever. It acted. And uh, that uh, did it. And then I got the iPod, and that totally killed it. It was like, yeah, I, I think, have though, you're, you're thinking like a You're thinking like a guitar player, though. Um, but I'm also thinking, like... Most people do, because I don't find, like, people go, oh, I'm going to just try this other genre out, or what was that song on the radio? Like, most of the yeah, time... Yeah, but that's that's a bad thing. I, th I think yes and no. I think it's a matter of, like, it's a bad thing for discovering new artists, and it's a bad thing for artists that are outside of your normal perception. But at the same time, you'll get those recommendations from friends anyways. You know, it's like, oh, if you heard this person, no, well, check them out. Oh, okay. And they listen to them. Oh, man, that's a whole other topic. I... Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, the, the reason that I don't think that guitar music is anywhere near dead, nor on the way out, is because of the idea of a self-sustaining cell versus having to be plugged in with the greater music industry. It's like, they... It's, yeah, it's, I mean, I guess that's true, but like... The internet has enabled every kind of niche ever you could think of exactly. to have a way to make money. But that doesn't mean – I mean, I guess it, in some sense it, it means it's not dead. But like we were just saying a second ago, could you make a living just playing gigs? No, it's, I, I don't think so. Not, to, not without teaching to supplement it. Not here. Yeah. So – that is gone. <laughs> I mean, some people can do it, right? But you, it's really a lot harder than it used to be to do that. Usually it's dinks. Double yeah. income, no kids. Right. <laughs> I, I never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Well, I said that to my father-in-law. He's like, oh, I'm a dink. I'm like, dude, you have nine. Double income, nine kids. Never mind. 
<laughs> so I'm like, all right, you win on that one. Nice. But, yeah. Okay, so the question I was going to ask earlier, I can't believe I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was, do you think that saxophone is dead? Mm, I mean, I know it's a leading question because my first impulse would be like, no. But that, it's like right off the bat, just because of the way that thing is, uh, mainly because I listen to Chris. Like Chris was out, uh, Chris Harold. It's like clearly not. It's been pushed to wherever. Um, would I go to a club to see saxophone? No, like not exactly. Would, would you anticipate that you would? So I would be open to it. I'd go see Bobby play. I go. There's see there's Chris a Harold. reason that I'm asking this question. Um, because it, because yeah. prior to guitar, saxophone was like the most popular instrument. Um, it was like the guitar, like in the 40s 50s or whatever like that's the thing that people wanted to play it was like the coolest thing you could buy you know mm-hmm. where from like the 60s to 2000 guitar was like the coolest thing you could buy yep you know um but like it, it's still around but obviously not like well unless you're a sax player not the coolest like it's not perceived as like the coolest thing ever and guitar is very much like that too. It's no longer got that, like it does to us. We think it's cool, but like the general population thinks that a synthesizer or something like that, or, you know, some other things are way cooler instruments than the guitar drums or something. How much? So, and will it ever get back to where it's the number one, like, coolest instrument you can get see i think that i think you're right on a couple of those points but the only place where i would diverge is to factor in like as soon as you said like well what is considered the cool instrument i think that has to that's all it's extraordinarily subjective as to what those people are doing because i don't well, it's always uh, subjective oh well i know i know and, and i'm not knocking your point it, like i'm not attacking your point by saying oh that's subjective and it doesn't matter that's not that that came out wrong uh it was more of the you know, if you're going to play something, you're going to look for that particular thing, which is, that's a given. So let's take that off of the table. Yeah. And let's yeah. put out there. So guitar players and synth players and sax players and stuff who all love yeah. those things don't count. Yes. <laughs> so my th- th- point is like, how many seasons of American Idol are we at right now? Or how many seasons of, you know, America's Got Talent or whatever? 10, 15, somewhere in there. But I think the cool thing is the in thing musically is just like a voice thing like i would well, say that's, that that's, that's probably cool. always been true though i mean that was true even when guitar was the cool thing it, yeah being a singer I, was probably still cooler shifted from band oriented things to like celebrity brand it's branding not yeah from a band which they can have their own brand to more of a like i want american idol this is my brand type of thing uh you know, and I, I'm not knocking anybody that builds their musicianship brand. You got, you have to have one. That's just. But do you well, think that that wasn't? I mean, like Frank Sinatra, American, Barbara Streisand, like I mean, but like Sinatra, Nat King Cole, like crooners, and and that type of thing. You know, it was popular, and then it kind of went to the like the people that like the crooning thing. Same thing with Streisand. Same thing with the like their particular styles put them into the thing because nobody's listening to Michael Bolton nowadays. It wasn't like a huge fan of that you know rom, romantic uh, style of ballads. 
like crazy. Yeah. Um, why should I change my name? He's the one who sucks. <laughs> so the, uh, <laughs> the office space reference, such a great movie, but the, um, the, so even in the, the, with the vocal thing, the genres kind of pull everybody apart a little bit from the mass appeal that happened with the, when the radio was central, it was yeah. like new artists would come out and then everybody would know that particular artist because it was being played on the radio and that was a mass communication thing. Nowadays, it's like, I have no freaking clues in the top 10 or doing anything. And I, I don't really care. Yeah, but I mean, that's been true since you started playing music too, right? I mean, yes and no. I don't I think, I don't think you count. <laughs> I don't think I count either. That's why I... No, 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 no. I get your point with that. But it's like, I would still be exposed to the top 10 a lot more, even if I was playing guitar back in like 90s, than I, than I was as soon as I was able to, to concentrate my library on something and never had to interact with the outside world. You know? But, but don't and, you think that's a... So I would still contend that's probably a bad thing? See, I think... It is and it isn't. I think it is in the sense of exposing yourself to new styles and being able to grow in terms of hearing new aesthetic things. I'll, I'll agree. But I think that it isn't in the sense that it's like if you really like something and you want more of that particular thing and different subgenres of that, being able to sit in your own kind of thing is like, oh, this is kind of cool. Now, that's also can easily. Oh, I with. totally agree that it's cool. Uh, but that, it is it is a bump. So I think you. it's almost like you're digging the whole of what guitar has though, which is now we're at today's now, which mm -hmm. is the general population, unless they're just listening to like classic rock or something and classic rock includes Nirvana. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, they're not seeking new guitar music. Mm -hmm. And because we live in this world where you don't have to, or you're not for, it's not forced on you to hear it in a sense because you don't have to listen to the radio you can stay in your little bubble you're just not ever going to yeah so therefore guitar could be dead in a sense <laughs> I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a leap there but i i think yeah, you get what i mean i hear what you're saying and that's the the whole horse sound effect was me being like that's a good that's a valid point. I think that the uh, there's always going to be fans of virtuosity and all that stuff, right? We're, yeah, but that, I, that's I, always going to happen. No. They're they're going to be fans of and, and I think those people that like virtuosity, it really has nothing to do with the instrument. They would enjoy watching Paco de la Cia as much as they want to see. Um, why am I blanking? You know, Rubenstein or something like that. Like it, it's, 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 it's an enjoyable thing to see people perform crazy stuff on instruments. Mm -hmm. And I think those fans always exist and they'll, they'll always exist. They're always going to be like, Oh man, you've got to see this play person play guitar. Then the next week it might be drums or the next week it might be violin. Um, but anyway, I mean, it's, it's like, that's always going to, so there's always going to be those little subgenres. Certainly there's always going to be fans of, um, prog metal and fusion or whatever, but it's such like, it's so small of a ditch. I mean, you're talking like thousands of people in a world with billions of people, you know? So 
See, I don't. What what would ever make it dead? Like, is dead mean like no one even remembers what guitar is? Like, oh well, I mean, clearly. there was an instrument once upon a time called the the, the guitar. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. So, like the instruments they find now, you know, from like yeah. the 1500s or something, and they're like, this is a precursor to guitar and had 74 strings, and <laughs> <laughs> clearly this was based off of a dare. I bet you I can get one more string on this. I bet you you can't. There's thou shalt not. And I thou shalt and did it or whatever. There was <laughs> some cool guitar. Like it was like a guitarish thing that was apparently really popular for like 50 years in Italy. I saw a video about it the other day. And it was almost like an auto harp push button sort of thing. Hmm. And you could like, and it was like folk oh, singers. I, think I know what you're talking about. It was like folk singers that would use it. And it was like a pain the tune. Funny. Was it the no? It was the one that had like those crazy pegs to tune away. Did I ever? Did you see that? It sounds so familiar. Anyway, it was like, and and what what threw me about that was it was it was like fifty to a hundred years that this was the most popular instrument in Italy, you know, <laughs> which guitar hasn't even been popular for a hundred years, not mm-hmm. really. So yeah. you're you're like. You're like, oh, we might be com- we really might be coming up to an end, but anyway. Well, to counterpoint that a little bit, this uh, that comes and goes in f- with flows because you know you you have like when Rigandi was around, virtuosic classical guitar player, you know the guitar was dying and the precursor to the accordion was taken over, so he quit playing guitar and started playing that. You know what, what and, year was that about? Uh, Rigandi was uh, late nineteenth century, early okay. Romantic. So um, you had like this, 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 that notion of like guitar was super popular and then it waned again. And it really yeah. stayed down, you know, even with Barrios and Targa and everybody else, it was like, it was there, but Segovia brought it back up to where it was like a, a more renowned instrument. And then, you know, obviously with the electric thing, everything else uh, piling on top when, of it. So yeah, when, when is the timeline there? I wonder when, when did Segovia become known I think was, it was, it, was it like before the Beatles? Yeah. Absolutely. Now I'm going to look it up. So. Well, I mean, I'm sure, he, I know he was born before then. Oh, yeah. But I know was that. he known before then? Like, when was the, when was it like, ooh, Segovia is the, is the man? Like, when were people painting Clapton as God and then somebody scratched that out and said, <laughs> no, Segovia is, or, or maybe it was said Segovia is God and then somebody scratched it out and said Clapton is. Oh, he's nineteen oh nine is when he had his first concert. Well, that doesn't mean that he was popular though. I've had lots of concerts and I'm not popular. <laughs> 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 okay, by the time he was in, by nineteen twenty three, he was getting pieces commissioned, so he was getting popular. When did he die? It was like the seventies or something, wasn't it? Oh was yeah. It- or was it later than that? In the eighties? It was late. It's eighty-seven. Yeah, so that's what I still wonder though. Like, like I don't remember ever seeing anything. But some of it has to do with age. Like young Segovia, <laughs> I've only remember ever seeing like old Segovia. So when, I wonder when he became like mainstream, like a mainstream name that was known. Because he, he's not like Rigandi. He's not. Like, he's a different animal than all those. Everybody, holy crap. 
So when was he on like the Today Show or something? <laughs> when was he on Johnny Carson? The, the equivalent of Johnny Carson. I'm trying to see if he like television wouldn't have happened until like the after World War II. He won a Grammy in '58. Uh, let's see. And I wonder how many. That's another one of those weird ones. Like, there's people that win Grammys all the time, but you don't know any of them. Yeah, exactly. Especially like who won the classical guitar Grammy this past year? Was there one? <laughs> there probably isn't even a classical guitar. Grammy. Hmm. Man, Maybe he knew like all these huge composers. That's kind of cool. Yeah, they don't really say when he kind of like. That's also an, that, that's something we should we should research. We should do like official research, like, or maybe we should have like one of your professors come back in. Like, yeah, does Jim or Steve know the well, history the of these one things? That was released. Uh, Guitar Solos in 1949 is his first album that came out. Okay. In so... that regard, I think that's probably a pretty big accomplishment because, you know, in the 40s, that 49, to put out an album was a hell of a lot more effort. Well, and, uh, yeah, for sure. But then it's like, when was the shift from classical music being the sort of in vogue thing to not being popular <laughs> and something else supplanting it was happening like so, as soon as the, the radio so the I big mean, big band era was started what in the 40s so earlier than that because the 20s had jazz and joplin and uh all that yeah i so, guess it uh, would have been a little earlier than that yeah i guess it's more like 20s yeah, I would say like the, hmm. yeah, because but I, I'm imagining the cut. I don't know. I, I'm so have I'm so out of my element here. Like I'm trying to like when did classical stop being the dominant genre? Well, but even like a, even a I don't want to say a, like a relevant genre. It's not no, really, I, it's, it's not like, relevant at all today. Yeah, um, it's not in the same. It's definitely not in the same category. The as, only place that oh. it's still relevant is movies, really. Yes. Soundtrack is, and even then, like some stuff is getting uh, knocked out for more of a techno thing or more of a sure. uh, guitar-driven yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I think you could almost argue that the some of the best stuff now is some kind of hybrid of all those things. Oh, absolutely. But I, I think personally, think that's freaking great. You know, I love yeah. it when you have these distinct genres come together, create something new. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's hard to imagine if, if Stravinsky and those people were around today that they would just stick to like. Um, acoustic yeah. instruments is just not very likely. I don't think. Same with Bach or Mozart, and them. they wouldn't have just stuck with acoustic instruments. I don't know. Well, given what they could do with acoustic instruments, I would think they would have the need to ranch out super much. <laughs> well, um, but then I mean, Bach played organ, right? I mean, that's like yeah, that was like high tech. Out. That's like high well, tech. He played stuff. everything, and not only did he play everything, he was like. Yeah, when I spent that was like his day gig, though, right? Was the the organist thing? Like, so he was obviously like into technology. Yeah, absolutely. And the, like, I'm not poo-pooing your point at all. I I agree with your point to an extent, but you know, I'm a bit of a Bach fanboy, so knowing like the details, that <laughs> which I is do, part of the reason I'm saying it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just to get a get a ride. Or, well, it's working, Gosh. you know. The, the uh, 
But you like, cannot. You know, he was virtuosic on just about everything. You know, I'm not allowed uh, to say his name. Partic- particularly organ, but also like organ manufacturers would shake when he would walk in to test their organ. Like if they put a new organ in and they hired Bach to test it out, the, the builder would be like, oh, crap. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, this guy's going to really push it. That's the Takata and Fugue and uh, D minor is, is the big organ tester. Just like, let's put this thing through. It's, uh, anyways, sure. I'm rambling. So, but he was also like known to be virtuosic in violin, cap- more than capable on the wind instruments. You know, it's like he played so everything. What's, in- what's your problem, Adam? I'm clearly don't have <laughs> whatever the hell that uh, was going around back then at the time. We should. Uh, uh, it'd be, maybe it'd be kind of interesting to do like a, a history sort of thing, like pick a person like Bach, and just talk about their upbringing a little bit because I, I actually don't know. So was was he like a child prodigy? Like we're way off topic, but um, no, those yes. those kind of questions would be kind of interesting to hear about because I I don't recall hearing about him being a childhood prodigy like was, a Mozart or Beethoven or something. No, I, it's not the same level of childhood prodigy, but the talent was recognized. The thing that Bach didn't have going for him is his parents died when he was like seven. So it's it right after the Thirty Years' War. So there's tons of famine and everything else. So at the age of seven, he's I'm, I'm almost positive of that. Uh, there's a great book, John Elliott Gardner's Music in the Castle of Heaven on Bach. I mean, it's thick. It's like 500 big pages. It's great. If you want to know about Bach, that's the one to do it. And you have to listen to his catalog while he's going, because he's always talking about the pieces, you know, as he t- matching it up with the periods of his life. Awesome book. Yeah. But uh, the, uh, so he, he went in to live with his older brother who had just gotten married at like the, the ripe old age of 19 back then. So, you know, his brother had just gotten of course, married. Enough. He was 19, but his wife was probably what? 11. <laughs> Somewhere. I don't know. I don't remember his wife's age, but probably comparable at least like 12 or 13. It's right. something when your average age is 30, you know, that's what you get. Uh, the, um, so he was living with them and he would like sneak out, like his brother forbade him to look in the music books that his brother had. Now, it, oh, real that's quick, a good way to on. make musicians. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, on a side note, we have records of a Bach being a court musician from like the 12th century on. Like in some court in one of the royal houses of Europe, a Bach. Yeah, you were saying something about that. So it's like it's clearly it was a familiar thing. If you were a Bach, you were playing music, which worked great when there wasn't a 30 years war so but uh anyway so he's living with his brother and he's like sneaking out to grab sheet music for violin you know and he would can copy of it at night and be a candlelight just to get an idea of how the music worked together um and then he put it back and so on and eventually his brother discovered the the works and burned them all like that's uh that's kind of a Dick move. Move, yeah. <laughs> on that one but it, it, it Bach being who he was it was like okay whatever and he did it again you know it, it didn't stop him in the least so he had um, the stubborn spirit oh it, oh yeah he spent several nights in jail because of that stubborn spirit you know like they would tell him to write something in a certain way he's like yeah I'll get right on it I'll do it exactly like you say oh here's my interpretation of it sorry there you go um, you know he disappeared to study with Bucks to Huda and said he would be gone like a month and showed up six months later and they threw him in jail for derelict of duty of his job because he was technically he was hired by the state not just like the church he was playing in yeah. so it was like a big you know whatever he, he ended up getting out um obviously 
Uh, but that was like the third time he's it was in jail. It uh, must have not been that big of a deal in a way to go to jail. Like it, it was just it was because he didn't get paid and he had like kids. So <laughs> well, I'm not saying it's not like people must have gone to jail for all kinds of random weird things. Oh though. yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, there's other instances. You in weren't allowed to quit your job, or you're you missed no, school. No, that's one exactly day. what it was. Yeah. Like you said, you were gonna be here. You can't be. This is dereliction of duty or whatever. I'm just using that term. I don't think that's what exactly they called it. Uh, I don't remember that section. Because it was but, in German. Oh, yeah, probably. The beer flow dinel something. I don't know. Beer, uh, beer, moss beer. <laughs> yeah. And the, but the funny thing is, is Bach really loved his alcohol. Yeah. Like, he he wrote, we have a letter from him, like, uh, one of his, uh, I think it was one of his brothers, something sent him like a barrel of wine as a gift. And they would tax it by taking the wine out. Like they'd nice. like open it and take a cupful, and that would be the tax that would go to whatever. And he's like, don't send me any more wine. They take too much of this stuff. It's like I get a barrel, and it's like half empty by the time it gets here. What the hell? Um, so, And the, 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 we have an actual letter of him written about that, just bitching about that thing. And it's really That's kind funny. of fascinating to be like, he definitely liked to drink. He clearly loved his wife, you know, with 20 kids. That, that'll do it. Uh, and then uh, he, uh, I mean, it, he would teach all these kids at St. Thomas and still write a full cantata for their service on Sunday and then have all of his children hand copy them along with himself to be nice. able to get performers <laughs> like right before the Sunday. So if you weren't a competent reader, you were not working for Bach like right away. It was like, Trump. and it's the same things that we get now that, would, you know, you spend like a month learning. <laughs> he was like, here you go, play it. Okay. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's just a fascinating character. Like, the, all the details that we have of his life. Yeah, I'll have like, to look into him more. Sporadic so, and yet at the same time dense, depending on what time period it, it was. Like, because he, sure. the last, the real one last quick story is he went to jail for basically calling a student completely idiotic and incompetent on his instrument. And so the student challenged him to a knife fight. And, oh, like, nice. saw Bach walking around in the, the public square and, like, drew a knife on him. And everybody lived, you know, but the police came in and said, well, Bach, you know, you, you, you had a knife. He's like, no, that's not my knife. It's the other guy's knife. And it, it took his cousin testifying in court to be like, no, Bach was defending himself for them to let him out of jail. You know, go figure, you know, it's my students get on me for being a little intense at times. I'm not that intense. You know, <laughs> you, you need to start bringing a knife. Yeah. <laughs> Did you practice? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah, you don't need that finger clearly because you're not practicing. So. Um, to 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 finish us off here, the the barrel thing reminded me of the story, which is no not nothing to do with the guitar. Um, but you know, let's, so hey, there a few years ago there was a a whiskey fire. I don't you remember that down in like a Bourbon Trail area? I think it was. I don't know if it was Jack Daniels, but it was someone like that. Maybe it was. It was Jim Beam, I think. They had like a really bad fire um, at their location. Anyway, there was a news article and they were saying, well, there's been some whiskey fires over time. And they were talking about a whiskey fire that happened in Ireland, um, you know, like in the 1800s or something. And it was really bad. And like 10 people died. But they said no one, none of the 10 people died um, from smoke inhalation or from the flames, they died because the whiskey was like pouring in the streets and they were drinking of it, drinking it too much. 
So 10 people died of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> well, kudos. I mean, somebody's going to do it. You know? They're, they're... It's like, man. It was like, well, this was a really bad one. Yeah, 10 people died on this fire. But not because of the fire. <laughs> not for the reasons you think. Yeah. So yeah, they, were, they were taking their tax from whoever, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Black was a rebel rouser. I mean, he had... He was constantly... Like, you know... Every musician complains about church gigs nowadays, and rightfully so for some stuff, because it's just there's things that just get annoying as heck. There's so many layers of things that you might have to deal with. Uh, but there's other gigs, church gigs, that go absolutely great. And I've been lucky and gotten a lot of those. But, you know, you read the life of Bach, and it's like, this is nothing new. Like, Bach had to deal with the garbage of committees and all this other oversight, like, constantly. And But oh, he sure. just basically, like... Okay, I'll keep that in mind, and just did whatever the hell he wanted, anyways. Yeah, right. Uh, and then it's like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, they already played it. That's all I wanted. Yeah. You're not here at once. So you know, it's like I suspect would... though most people probably appreciated it. Oh yeah, and well, the other thing too is like they weren't musicians, and he refused to take any writing advice from somebody that didn't know what they were yeah. doing. He's like, yeah, I'll factor that. Never. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like... like that Amadeus movie, right? Where they're like, yeah, there's too many notes. Which notes would you like yeah. me to take away? You know, he's yep. like, well, that is the question. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. is the question. But uh, exactly. It's a matter of, yeah, I'll factor that in. Thanks. Right into my circular file, a.k.a. trash can. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a pretty, like, that's, that's totally like a musician scene. Like, that was the greatest opera we've ever seen, ever. Like, ever. Um, but perhaps... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's that's just so a comic. little too much of this and a little too much of that. But you just said it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Oh, it's like a friend of mine or one of my students' uh, uh, mothers. Actually, they, she painted me and Julie's wedding portrait as a gift. It's awesome. I had to hang downstairs. But the uh, hopefully you're all smeared out and she looks. Nice. <laughs> she did get my thumbnail though. I got the thumbnail. It's like all my. <laughs> Thumbnail and then smear. Yeah. <laughs> it was a Jackson Pollocky. So yeah, uh, no, it's a great thing. But she was like, when I degree of art, you'll get praised. And she's like, you know what a portrait is? And I'm like, it's a portrait of somebody. She's like, well, it's a portrait of somebody with the nose that's always just that off. Yeah, you know, right. it's like it, it's like yeah, that quote is like, yeah, that's the way it is with everything musical. You know, you're you're always gonna somebody can find something to complain about, no matter what. Sure. You know? Like that reverb is too long, <laughs> so that's yeah, that, that's this guy right here. So finding the right tone, <clears throat> right. never-ending quest. Anyways, so that's this episode. 